In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. On your way to church this morning, you might have driven down 2nd Avenue and seen the Christmas lights up on the streetlights. On your way out of your neighborhood, you might have driven past houses with Christmas trees, which may have been up for a couple weeks now. If you had the radio on in your car, you might have heard the latest pop rendition of your favorite Christmas carol. But before you start feeling too guilty, I have to admit that I've already been to see the galaxy of lights. Christmas music and all, and it was amazing. But when you walked into church this morning, I hope you don't feel like it's Christmas. Because happy liturgical New Year, it's Advent. Today is the first Sunday of Advent, the first Sunday of the church's new year of seasons, when we mark the passage of time in a different way than the rest of the world does. Even though the season of Advent falls in December, we are not celebrating Christmas yet. You won't hear Christmas carols until Christmas. You can follow the candles on our Advent wreath as they count down the weeks till that day. The Advent season is my favorite season of the year, and it's probably the most overlooked and misunderstood liturgical season outside of the church. Because on the whole, we humans want things to happen now. We don't want to have to wait for Christmas. We don't want to have to wait for Black Friday. That's why it started two weeks before Thanksgiving. <laughs> we want things to happen now. But they don't. And maybe they shouldn't. Throughout the season of Advent, the four weeks leading up to the Feast of the Incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ, we'll hear two major themes. Yes, there is the theme of anticipating the birth of Christ, anticipating Christmas with all the animals and the shepherds and the angels, but we'll also anticipate the second coming of Christ. It's an event that we don't really like to talk about too much in the Episcopal Church because it's a little weird. It's a little scary sometimes. That's kind of what our readings sound like this morning, isn't it? We hear these images and these stories of Jesus coming back, but no one knows when it's going to happen. It'll be like Noah and the flood. It'll just happen when we least expect it. Ready or not, here he comes. We hear this imagery of two people working in the field. One is taken and one is left behind. Do you remember not too long ago there was a big thing called the Left Behind series? Has anybody read the Left Behind books? I remember when I saw the Left Behind movie, I was surprised to see that Nicolas Cage was in it. It's kind of a strange movie to see in then. This is neat, it's a little weird. It's all based around this idea of the rapture. I'm sure you've probably heard of the rapture. Maybe you have family or friends who are completely sold on the rapture. This idea that before Jesus comes back, those who are worthy will be raptured, will be lifted up into heaven. Those who are not worthy will be left behind to deal with all the trials and tribulations that will follow. If you hear nothing else this morning, 
Please understand that the rapture and the idea of the rapture is incorrect. It's bad theology and it's bad biblical interpretation. The idea of the rapture was actually invented by a 19th century British preacher who by picking and choosing bits of scripture, some from the Gospels, some from Daniel, some from Paul's letters, developed this false doctrine. The word rapture is actually nowhere in the Bible. And quite frankly, the whole notion of Jesus zapping people up to heaven, separating families, and causing his followers to constantly live in a state of fear is hurtful, and it's incorrect. When we hear in Matthew's Gospel the story about two being in the field, one is taken and one is left, the exact same Greek words that those are translated from can also be translated to mean one will be taken away as a prisoner and one will be forgiven. That changes the narrative a little bit, doesn't it? The one who is left behind is left for forgiveness and for preparing for the great gathering. Remember that in the book of Revelation, the culmination of all things is the new city that has no gates, and the lamb inside is beckoning all to come in. When we hear about the second coming of Christ, we're not meant to be living in fear. We're not meant to look up into the sky each time we hear a burst of thunder and wonder if this is it, if Jesus is really coming back to judge our souls. I don't think that's how God works. However, Jesus makes it pretty clear that we're not supposed to simply wait around either and twiddle our thumbs until God's kingdom is somehow made whole. Like a thief that comes in the night, if that homeowner had been awake, he would not have allowed his house to be broken into. Our faith is not a passive faith. Jesus calls us to actively wait for his return. When heaven and earth are finally made one and all things are reconciled to God in a new and a wonderful way. We take an active part in that on a daily basis. Yes, Christmas is coming. Yes, on December the 25th, there'll be a wonderful celebration and a glorious feast. But until then, there's so much to do. And I'm not talking about buying presents and decorating our houses. In this season of Advent, let us turn our hearts and minds away from the selfish desires, the greed, and everything that the world says is important around us. And focus rather on living into God's kingdom here and now. Use this holy and sacred season to focus especially on being Christ's body in this city, at your work, in your home, in your church. And on that wonderful Christmas day 2,000 years ago, Christ did come into the world, just as the prophets had foretold. And his name was Emmanuel, God with us. And if God is with us, how can we possibly be afraid?